My beautiful screamers. Before we begin our exploration into the worlds of both horror and humanitarianism that we do every year here at the Scream Queens Horror Podcast, I have a question to pose to you. What do you call a potathon without podcasts? What do you call a potathon without podcasts? No, seriously, I'm asking you because that's what's going on right now. Because I don't know if you've noticed, because right now it is October 17th. And technically, this is day three of the countdown to Halloween potathon for new alternatives. That's the thing, kids. I do have to apologize. All the episodes were uploaded on time. With problems, yes. But uh, new, I'm also with a new podcast hosting company. And you would think I would have learned by now from past potathons that learning new software during a potathon is a bad idea. So I made some errors. And while those, <laughs> while those episodes were uploaded, they've been just sitting there. Because I didn't publish them, I just scheduled them. That wasn't an option before. I, I didn't. Anyway, my fault, my bad. There's also lots of other crazy stories going on around things, but I'm not going to bore all of you guys with that. If you really want to know, I'm putting a sound file up also on uh, YouTube on an episode-by-episode basis for these missing shows. So you can find out (laughs) the really scary stuff going on this Halloween is going on on this end of the microphone, okay? So just, 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 if you dare, go check those out, but... Instead, again, I apologize to all of you for being late. I apologize to everybody at New Alternatives for cutting into your donation time, the money-raising time. And I also have to apologize to my guests, Michael K. Loon and Jordi O'Dale from Aberrant Theater Company, especially to Jordi because she came on to promote the show and made a big deal of getting her on just before opening. It was going to be perfect timing. Well, you guys are open, and the show hasn't gone out yet from on this end, so I apologize, Jordy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but like we said, like the episode, like the, the like the moral of this episode is going to be, the show must go on. Even if it's three days late, the show must go on. So sit back, relax, open those wallets, make your donations, and enjoy the beginning of the Potathon! This program is a proud member of Univaz. Unified. Unique. Voices. Learn more at univazpods.net. Hello. My name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen. And so are you! Hello again, my beautiful screamers, and welcome, 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 welcome to another episode, just another regular episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. Tonight, it's episode 267, and oh, like you didn't know, it is the kickoff episode, it is night one of the third annual Scream Queens Count down to Halloween Paragon! Spooky, scary skeletons and shivers down your spine. Bitch! Shrinking skull will shock your soul and seal your doom tonight. Bitch! Spooky, scary skeletons speak with such a screech. You'll shake and shiver. 
get those skin ham. Oh my god. Oh my god, that skeleton has a boner. Excuse me, but the dancing skeleton that I hired has a boner. I ordered super scary skeletons, not super skanky skeletons. That's just gross. That's just gross and it was a terrible pun. Jesus Christ, what kind of a show am I running here? Good question. I actually want to help underage children in need. So, so this, this, we're already off to a classy start. Oh. All right, look. From now on, whenever I'm speaking, nobody gets a boner. Ever. Wait, what? No, oh, God. For the past two Countdown to Halloween potathons, you know that by the end of it, I'm a wreck. I am worn out. I am fried. My brain is like mashed potatoes leaking out my ears on the air, which makes for brilliant entertainment. And people say, wow, you can really hear the strain in his voice. You can really hear him going crazy. But here's the thing. This year, I thought I'd be smart and record everything far in advance so I'd be nice and rest. No, no, it didn't work. No, no, no. Now that I did all the work in advance, I'm hitting the ground tired and giddy. It's day one. So you know what? I already needed that. I already need a vacation from the pot of on. Thank you. I've been locked in this apartment for two months. Hunched over this computer. Editing, editing, editing. Editing, editing, editing. And I'm going to lay down the rule right now. The only person allowed to get a boner for the duration of this episode is me. Not just any boner. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm talking about the best boner of all. A musical theater boner, as Doug Shapiro said live on the show once upon a time. Because the movie that I've chosen to kick off, Countdown to Halloween Potathon, is a merge of my two favorite things in the whole world. Gory, gory slashers and razzy jazzy musicals. But wait, Patrick, those two things don't go together. Oh, but they're going to, okay? They did on film, and we're talking about it today, hence my boner. But I'm not the only person who's going to have a boner now that I think of it. My special guest probably will have one, too. He's not obligated to, and he's probably already calling his agent. Can't <laughs> canceling any publicity for this episode now that I said that. And I also realize that most of you are probably sitting there thinking, it's Doug Shapiro, right? I mean, who else could it be? No, it's not Doug Shapiro, believe it or not. No, 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 no. This guy was on the show before. It was a while back, though. He's a former classmate of mine. We were a school chum. We went to high school together. We worked at Photomat together. And that's the kind of bond that just doesn't die. And if it wasn't enough, he's also a world-famous actor. It still sounds like Doug Shapiro, but it's not. No, no, no. It's world-famous actor Mike Kaloon. Yes, he stopped by for the Friday the 13th Part 8 episode. Remember that? Oh, boy, that was fun. No musicals in that, but there's going to be some tonight because we haven't even talked about the movie yet, the movie that we're talking about. Gosh, even talking about it takes me back because I remember, man, when we used to do summer theater together, always at some point, one of us would always get struck with a serious case of thespionic trepidation. And there is no worse condition known to man than thespionic trepidation. Oh, the pathos. The agony, the self-indulgence. Okay, some of you might know it as Stage Fright. Okay, I'm just being stupid. Now, the movie we're talking about is called Stage Fright from 2014, and it is a slasher movie set at musical theater camp. So just, just, just buckle in, kids. It's going to get crazy up in here. Okay? Okay. 
Now that I've somehow managed to drag this heartwarming, feel-good charity event that I do every year into the gutter. Into the gutter within the first, oh, what, three minutes of the show? I'm going to need to take a break. I'm going to need to mix things up a bit. I need to get back on track. And first of all, I'm going to have to not talk about anything serious because I'm not going to be able to do anything today. That's just not going to happen. No. So you guys are going to get a break. I'm not going to be hitting you with all kinds of grim statistics and sad stuff. No, no, no. We're going to just be having musical theater, light, fluffy comedy fun. But gosh, we can't just do that either because, you know, theater's more than that. Sure, it's all fun and happy and everyone's always singing and dancing, but it could also be a really scary place. Some people might even call theater aberrant. Especially when it's being put on by Toronto's aberrant theater company. See what I did there? See what I did there? Their production of Ghostlight Anthology, that their first incarnation of this show, was so popular last year that they were turning people away at Halloween. But there is something you need to know about the Aberrant Theater Company. It's not just that they're doing a horror-based theatrical event at Halloween. That's cool, sure. But it's actually in their mission statement that when they create these horror experiences, that it's always through a socially conscious lens. And a lot of the people. So that also means that the piece that they're working on is original. When they started rehearsing, there was no script. They took a cue from director Robert Altman, and the cast worked together to come up with something truly horrifying. Like I said, so horrifying last year, they were turning people away. And this year, there's something new. It's not just Ghostlight Anthology. It's Ghostlight Anthology, colon, Cataclysm. Promising some cosmic terror. And this socially conscious lens that the Aberrant Theater Company has is also a queer lens as well. There's lots of people coming from all different aspects of the rainbow working on this. So this is queer horror live. And it just so happens that waiting in the wings of the Scream Queen's studio right now is the one person who's going to be able to explain what they do at Aberrant Theater better than anyone else in the whole world. Yes, it's the director of Ghostlight Anthology Cataclysm, Jordy O'Dale. So we're going to take a little break. I'm going to play a little music, and then I'll be back with Jordy O'Dale. And you, my beloved screamers, are going to get a taste of just how truly terrifying live theater can be. So joining me, I have one of the people behind the horrors of the Aberrant Theater Company. So ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and my GNCs, wherever you may be, put your hands together for Jordy O'Dale! Yay! Oh, I'm so excited to be here and to talk to you. Welcome, welcome, Jordy, you fine Irish thing. Yeah, how you doing? <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> oh, I'm doing very well. Top of the morning to you. 
Tis good, tis good, tis good. I'm very excited because normally I live in New York. Not normally, I do live in New York City, and so I'm always talking about all the cool, like, scary theater stuff and Halloween stuff that happens around me. But now, I have to challenge my Toronto listeners to go see you and tell me everything that's going on because this event sounds amazing. So please, Jordy, tell me all about Ghost Light Anthology Cataclysm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, this is our second year of doing uh, the Ghost Light Anthology. Um, largely it's it's born it was born out of the kind of dearth of horror theater um that there there is but also especially that there is outside of new york city there's a lot a lot of cool stuff that happens in nyc you've got sleep no more you've got all of these amazing immersive uh haunted houses where whereas in in toronto at least it's like you have your haunted houses and a couple of events here but nothing with necessarily a narrative focus so last year we started the ghost light anthology uh and it was more of a creep show style where we had five short horror plays this year we've transitioned over to more of like the american horror story model where we're doing one singular narrative um with the idea that- sorry 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 i went to theater i texted what the chorus line sorry <laughs> <laughs> one singular sensation sorry sorry i can't help myself yes, sorry exactly one singular <laughs> sensation continue. It's I'll like, fix it no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no the the one singular narrative that we're focusing on um, and we've titled it uh well we've surtitled it cataclysm uh because it's cosmic horror is our is our theme of the year this year going in the sort of lovecraftian style with much less traditional lovecrafty racism to be honest but the style of it oh, okay. yes that's a, that's a plus we like that no okay okay no I, I, you mentioned that it in your press release that it's happening in these a garden so is it actually immersive it's, as well well yes and no Untraditional. untraditional yes yes Excellent. this this year uh it is it is a show in the sense that you're you will come in to this garden um it's kind of half in half out side it's a very very beautiful unique space to be in downtown toronto but mm-hmm. the you, you are going to come in and sit down and watch a show it's not going to be like you have to walk through and people are going to like jump out and do a scene um so i think by nature of the of the space and and the nature of the theme of what we're doing it will feel immersive but the intention is not necessarily to make it like immersive theater so to speak that's cool i just love untraditional spaces especially for horror things because immediately that puts people out of their comfort zone totally last year last year Mm -hmm. we did uh the show in an old coffin factory um literally uh and i yeah. wow okay not creepy not creepy at all one another one of yeah. those Ugh. yeah, no, yeah, that's yeah. Amazing. well and <laughs> it was it was so creepy because it was this it so it was this big huge old coffin factory um that had been converted into a bunch of lofts and like artist spaces and and somebody uh had opened a studio slash theater in there um, and it was marked for demolition for years, like five or six years. It was supposed to be torn down for condos. And it just it just never happened and never happened and never happened. A- and because it was supposed to be torn down in condos, whoever was taking care of the building, whoever owned it, just like stopped doing that. So you, it, you had to w- literally walk through this like covered archway um, that was like, 
there was a big, huge chain fence with disrepair, and you walk up these creepy steps to this, like, you know, barely maintained hallway into this creepy, creepy part of, like, it, it was very obviously uh, something sinister before. Uh, and we were the last show in that space and it has been torn down now. No, I love that. I love that whole thing because your backstory writes itself. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the neighborhood kids already have mm -hmm. scary stories about that building. I love that. Yes. Wait, why was it damned? Why aren't they tearing it down? Yeah. yeah, yeah they tear yeah, yeah. it down? <laughs> Ooh, the coffin factory. Well, and it's literally uh, beside the the old Toronto abattoir, so it's like an old coffin factory next to like a slaughterhouse. <laughs> You're just like, okay. They weren't owned by the same people, were they? Because that's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be great. well. One of the things I wanted to say that really popped out of your press release was that you do hard stuff, but with a social justice focus. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. That's exciting. Yeah. Um. So a a lot of what I, uh, me, and uh, the the co-founder Andrew Gantz find so wonderful about the horror genre is it really gives you an opportunity to comment on what's going on in the world. Um, horror absolutely thrives in times of political unrest. Horror movies always mm -hmm. make more money when a Republican is in the White House. So you can take from that what you will. I'm basically straight. No, I did not yeah, know that. Yeah. Well, I'm basically lifting straight from uh, Andrew's solo show. He did all this research on it and added it to a solo show, but it's true. And it's, it is what we believe. I think because with horror, you can externalize those sort of like societal fears and overcome them. You, if you make them a monster, then you can truly visualize triumph or or actual loss through that. Yeah. And I think the other the other issue is is sort of as a queer person and a trans person the so often our queer narratives and trans narratives and narratives of people of color left out of the story unless it is specifically a story about their degradation. You know what I mean? Like it's it, right. you, Absolutely. It's, you know, the people of yeah. color die first, uh, queer relationships, like even in mm -hmm. regular media, the, the, the trope of like fridging and, and, and all this kind of stuff where. Sorry, fridging. I'm not familiar with that term. Uh, yeah. Fridging. I, it's, it's more for regular TV and stuff like that, but it's the idea when you have a queer relationship and you kill one of the people, you, you fridge them. Oh. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, one of the points I was going to make, I, I don't know how long it was. Like there was like time I stopped going to gay movies. Mm -hmm. Or movies with gay characters. I'm like, I know somebody's going to die and that gay character is going to wind up alone and miserable at the end of it because that's the way Hollywood likes it. It's changing a bit, but there's been a little bit of a resurgence of that lately in the horror community, but we're not going to get into that because we'll yes. be here all night. Something that I thought was really cool on your press release, something that I have not seen before, even here in New York City, like this really cool liberal town, that you listed all the cast and the crew with their preferred pronoun. Yes. Such a little thing made me so happy. I'm like, that's such a great idea. Why it never occurred to me. Of course, privilege doesn't mm -hmm. occur to me, but um, what a great idea. Just so such a simple way of putting your stuff out there. I love that. The other thing yeah. that struck me in your press release was that how you focus on character rather than the scares. This process is different from a regular play because we didn't have a script going in. Um, we got this amazing cast of people 
and we've been working to create the narrative together. Nice. Uh, and so a large portion of that has been, for me as the director, has been creating these relationships and creating these characters that have rich backstories that you care about because uh, the reason why a lot of slasher films, and this is not to denigrate all slasher films, but the reason why the vast majority of the big ones that are put out there that aren't held up as like, ooh, this is a great, great, great example of horror is they don't necessarily give you the time to know these people. You don't care if they're dying. I think it really ups the stakes when they're people that you care about. You're speaking my language. <laughs> this is what I say on the show all the time. Give me a character that breaks my heart when they leave the movie. Mm -hmm. Any day. I want to miss you when you're gone. Because mm -hmm. then there's stakes. Then it means something. It's not just meat for a grinder. I love that. Mm -hmm. No, so I, I'm loving everything you're saying. I was going to say, the other thing about focusing on character uh, versus scares is I've discovered it is unbelievably easy to it's easier to scare people than you think all you really have to do is set them up for ooh something spooky might happen and instantly they're on guard like i i think of this in terms of so i have this cast of six and uh most of them are huge horror fans love creepy stuff and uh, being as it is an outside, uh, half outside in the garden, there are, you know, the occasional rat that will rustle in, in the, in the leaves beside, or, you know, yesterday That's at rehearsal. why we do it live for stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yesterday a skunk wandered through, which was a lot of fun. Um, but this, these are my cast, they're creating a horror show and every single bump and rustle or anything one of them or all of them screams they just they freak out and it's it's like guys like it's what are you doing like we're <laughs> why are you but it's just when you have that umbrella of oh something might happen something spooky might happen everybody's already on edge so you don't necessarily have to focus so hard on like the big set pieces or or the or the setup because people will set themselves up for you. I love that. That's great advice. Yeah, you just, you just. I, I have not told the story on the show in 10 years. So they, they all think I'm going to tell another rat story. But no, I was doing a production of Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> during the big wedding scene, model's wedding scene, we realized there's a bat. Oh, God. In the theater. <laughs> and so we're all trying to be cool about it. And it started swooping when we started singing. And it was mm. doing it in time to the music. Sunrise, oh. swoop, sunset, swoop, sunrise, <laughs> ducking this bat and trying to continue on. It was great. I love that. <laughs> but yeah, that's why we do it live. Somebody so you get have to, that they have to watch the deal crap like that. But what I also love too is mm -hmm. not love, but just people like, well, theater's not scary. And you're just sitting this back when I was a kid, I saw two shows on Broadway which had the audience screaming, screaming mm -hmm. like they were in, you know, watching, you know, the original audience of psycho and that movie like screaming like it, it can be scary mm -hmm. like uh, i'm thinking of death trap and um the uh adaptation the franklin jealous dracula mm -hmm. which was out mm -hmm. i mean death trap has a great jump scare in it and that's easy mm -hmm. that's an easy scare but mm -hmm. dracula had people just screaming from tension which was amazing and so yes it can be done so those of you who are mm -hmm. doubting me this is the theater is scary episode 
Mm-hmm. Listen to me. Listen to Jordy. And if you're in the Toronto area, you best be getting your butts over there. Where can people find out more information about the show and how to get tickets and when are you running and all that good stuff? Yeah. So uh, we're running from October 17th to the 31st. Uh, we have Friday, Saturday or Thursday, Friday, Saturday shows all at 8 p.m. If you want to uh, find tickets, you can find us on Facebook. We're Aberrant Theater. You can find us on Instagram. We're also aberrant theater you can google the ghost light anthology because we're the first thing that pops up so that's really good um it's going to nice. be happening at magil's art garden which is in downtown toronto and we have a halloween show which is always our biggest seller we almost added double shows because last year we were turning people away in droves because they wanted to see a spooky show on halloween toronto people step up And when you get your tickets, go check this out. Go check out some cool, immersive, horror, dare I say, queer-themed theater. Well, I I can tell you that one of the the main uh, actors is a queer trans person. I'm a queer trans person. So, honestly, I'm not not even trying to add queer stuff to it. It just kind of (laughs) happens. That's all I mean. It's being made by people who are queer. That counts. Yeah, so you guys, go check it out. Tell them I said you. Tell them, hey, you heard about it here, and 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 I'm living vicariously through you on this one, people. Jordy, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Break a leg. I wish I could be there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you so much for having us on here. Uh, yeah, it's it's exciting. Uh, and uh, oh, before you go, Jordy, happy Halloween. <laughs> 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 yes, yes, it is I, Flem, Flem the Gargoyle. It's Halloween. It's my favorite time of the year. And I'm stuck here playing MC for a stupid podcast. Fuck you. Fuck your stupid face. But thank you. Thank you very much to Jordy from Abron Theater for coming on and telling us all about that super scary sounding show. You know, Jordy, I do like the fact that it's all taking place in a garden. In a garden. Sounds like a place where a cute little gargoyle like myself could fit in, don't you think? Don't you think? You know, I think I might flippy fly out into the night myself. Wing my way to Toronto and see Ghost Light Anthology Cataclysm myself. So, Jordy, if you happen to look up during the performance and you see a cute little gargoyle like myself sitting in the rafters right over your head, Just throw your head back, open your mouth wide, and laugh, laugh, laugh. Do not tell them why. You see, Jordy, the listeners know why I'm telling you to do that, but I'm not going to tell you why, and listeners, don't you tell them. Don't you tell Jordy. Jordy will find out soon enough. And now, smoothly segue into the next segment of the show, where you listen to the trailer for the movie Stage of Fright, and bring on Mr. Mike Kaloon. Mikey Loon should have been the werewolf. All of life's a song to sing. So sing with all your heart. I have to get dressed. We can't do this now. Be safe! Preparing for a 
Welcome to Limelight. I think about mom a lot. Maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. You actually want to compete with those theater geeks? Those kids aren't normal, Ken. Artie will be announcing this summer's Limelight production. Blessing of the Opera! Your mother's role. She would be proud. What is at the heart of haunting? It's about covering. Covering up who you really are. There has been an accident. Maybe there's somebody out there that really doesn't want him to put on this play. Ken, do you think this is connected to your mom? when someone just died? Camilla, where are you? There's a killer in the So one of the lessons that I'm imparting to you this Halloween season is that the theater is a very, very scary place. And to do that, we've got the perfect movie to describe that to you. But, you know, it's no fun to go to the theater by yourself. That is lame. So joining me is a returning guest. You haven't seen him in a long time. He was here and he was gone, but you loved him while he was here. Well, he's a world-famous actor who may or may not be able to control ravens with his mind. He's a failed shamanon man, but most importantly... He's forever my fellow photomate. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, put your hands. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and my GNCs, wherever you may be, put your hands together for Mr. Michael K. So oh my good. God! Hi, Michael K. Loon. Welcome back to Scream Queens, you sexy bitch. Thank you so much, Patrick. Hold on, I am just pulling some negatives out of the developer. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> it has been a slow year. I'm back to my day job. I know. No, but now with these digital cameras, nobody comes to see us anymore. Let me just blow the cobwebs off of you. <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah, but you were rocking so that Miss Habitat look. look. It is gorgeous. <laughs> gorgeous. It's well, like my very own wind machine. Thank you. It's good to be back. Michael, Michael popped in on the Friday the 13th Part 8 Jason Takes Manhattan episode when I was so bored reviewing the movie that I went to talk to him for half an hour. This <laughs> <laughs> tan barely tangible connection that we're not going to go into again. But you guys loved him while he was here. And now you're back. Nuclear waste in the sewers. So, world-famous actor, what's been going on with you? Where have you been? What have you been doing? Uh, I've been doing, like, more of the same. A lot of uh, regional theater stuff, going bouncing around the country. I made my television debut this spring. I can't episode. believe they kicked you out of the Big Brother house that quickly. Well, you know. They I was always kick out the old ones first. Big what? Oh, wait. Who got their AARP application? Fuck you. That's your <laughs> Patreon people. <laughs> 
That was a Patreon only secret. God damn you. <laughs> Michael and I went to high school together. So this is, this is going to be a show. Good luck keeping us on topic. <laughs> oh, fuck it. He do. So the movie that we are talking about is a little movie from 2014, which actually I talked about on the show very briefly ages ago. And that is the movie stage fright, which is a slasher movie about musical theater camp, which is actually also a full blown musical. Indeed. Basically, a movie that was written for me. <laughs> I'm one of those rare queens that loves horror movies and loves flashy musicals. So when they come together in one thing, I'm a happy camper because it never happens. It never happens. And it should happen because they're kind of... The genres are pretty close. Epic. Over the top. Life and death stakes. Yeah. <laughs> Characters drawn with with, with with very broad pens. Very broad magic markers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, Michael, since you are the guest, it is your job. Oh. Hey, dare I say it is your sacred duty. Mm-hmm. Notice I gave you a liquid you there. Yes, I was. I was very impressed. Mm-hmm. I, did, I, didn't want, I didn't want to get a note at the end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I need you to give me a nice, tight, 30-second back-of-the-DVD cover plot summary of stage fright, don't summarize the whole plot. Pitch me that script. You have 30 seconds. The clock starts now. Oh my God. Okay. So in a film reminiscent of, of camp, where young professional wannabes assemble to pursue their dreams, murder and mayhem happens when a young girl, daughter of a slain former musical theater star, starts experiencing deja vu as her castmates drop one by one. Who could the killer be? How's that? Boo, I don't even want to buzz you because I am on the edge of my seat. I don't want, I want to know what happens. <laughs> See, that's that- theater training. That's the first thing they teach you in theater training is to say everything in a ridiculous voice like that. <laughs> Guilty as charged. That's yeah, called that's called improv bullshit. <laughs> yeah, so that's exactly what's happening. Yeah, there's uh, uh, there's once upon a time this Broadway actress was murdered on opening opening night of her or opening night. Yeah, bite me. <laughs> Ten years later, her daughter is at musical theater camp. They decide to do that play, and the murders begin again. And there's also dancing. What a winky dick. With song. With song. Sometimes at the same time. <laughs> okay. Let's just talk about the cast for a minute. Mm-hmm. First of all, we got Minnie Driver. Minnie fucking Driver. Uh-huh. She pops up at the beginning as the murdered Broadway actress. And I just, I, I just, I, I, I think it's great. It adds so much class to the movie. Well, it's funny. Like, at first I was like, what is Minnie Driver doing in a movie like this? And then after the summer I had, I'm like, I don't know exactly what she's doing in this. She needed a job. <laughs> and she's also Minnie Driver and fucking amazing. I love her. She's like, I get to sing and I get to show up in my broad panties and I'm only in it for five minutes. I'm in. Day player, in, out, gone. Good. <laughs> Do you meet my rate? Yes, I'm in. Am I available? Sadly, yes. I still like to picture her as she was on AbFab, like this, a total evil Nazi woman, but I'm sure she's lovely. <laughs> but we also got Meatloaf, rock singer Meatloaf. Meatloaf. Yes, as her former lover and the, the owner of the, this musical theater camp, failed Broadway producer. Who actually has a shockingly decent, legit singing voice. I'm not surprised. Actually, what I thought listening to this was like, it, this stuff needed to be higher for him. Yes. Yeah. That's where he really resonates. But I think it was a choice. 
to keep him from turning into meatloaf and keep him this bumbling. Yeah, um, but I wanted meatloaf. I mean, if you're going to cast meatloaf, serve some fucking meatloaf. With? Ketchup. I don't know. What. No, 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 no. I was picturing it at the Chaminade cafeteria. With? <laughs> Mashed potato? <laughs> potato? <laughs> None of you have any idea what we're talking about. I don't care. <laughs> and then also, also we have a, a, a future three-time Tony Award nominee, Brandon Uranowitz. Yeah, Brandon Uranowitz. Brandon Uranowitz. Yeah. As a fifty-year-old camper, and it doesn't matter because it totally works. He's also playing toxic masculinity. Toxic. Oh my god, it was so rapey. <laughs> So very rapey. He's like, hello, I'm Mr. Rape. <laughs> Which, unfortunately, I mean, I think we all know that guy. Mm-hmm. In theater. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the young cast is great, too. I mean, uh, Artie, uh, uh, Allie, Mc- I don't even have her name now. I'll fix it. McBeal? Allie McBeal is fantastic. I think she's, the girl who's playing the lead in this, I think is fantastic. Yeah, she was good. Um, and you got all these other great people in it as well. And I can't read my goddamn handwriting. And I'm on the wrong page because we're fixed this all in post. Um, uh, Greetings, you absolutely useless, coagulating puddles of catsick, otherwise known as the listeners of the Scream Queens podcast. Yes, yes, it is I, Flem, Flem the Gargoyle, ruler of the skies, bringer of death, and also. Slave to Patrick Walls for all of eternity because of a Dance Dance Revolution showdown. But that's not the point right now because I'm also editor of this podcast because Patrick doesn't like to do grunt work. And I do like to grunt. But that's not the point right now. But for this musical episode, bitches, you can call me Shred and Mame. Mr. Shred and Mame should have been my name, Mr. Shred and Mame, because I can tear right through you, chew right through you. And then shit in your mouth. Thank you. Thank you very much. But since Patrick isn't doing his job on this show right now, you know, like remembering the names of the people who worked on the movie that he's talking about, I guess I am going to have to tell you. Camilla, our heroine, was played by the lovely, doe-eyed Ellie McDonald. I hate her. I'm going to poop in her nose, I think, as well. But also in the cast, you got Douglas Smith from The Bubba Man. You know, The Bubba Man. A from Alice, who was on the Gracie Next Generation and also the Murdoch Mysteries. And finally, Melanie Lishman, who I like a lot because she was in Todd and the Book of All Evil. Have you ever read the Book of All Evil? It's hilarious. Okay, got to go by because I don't care. Why don't you go back to listening to your shitty program? Fuck you. Fuck your ass face. Amazed me. And this was going to hinge everything. Is that the music works? Yeah. It's a fairly good score, and even the fake music from the fake musical works because it sounds just enough like Phantom of the Opera to not get them sued. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still tuneful enough to stand on their own, which I thought was a neat trick. Yeah. I've been dreaming, wanting this moment. Now it's real, I'm here at last. Everything just like I imagined, but how did it happen so fast? And that's what gets me really angry with this movie. <laughs> they got so much right. And yet at the and end, then, it still completely missed the mark. And I yeah. don't know how they, I mean, I kind of have an idea how they fucked it up, but. Well, what do you think? 
Well, I kind of think. All right, I li- I was I watched the making of documentary, and the the oh, guy okay. the guys behind the camera are both like me, horror lovers and musical theater lovers. Like that never happens. We're doing this, and I kind of feel like they they took the easy route, or I had to come uh-huh. to succumb to studio pressure because the the musical camp stuff they nail, and then the horror stuff goes. Mm. Yeah, it it seemed to me like. When I when I said in my in my fake intro like comparing it to the movie Camp, uh huh, it was a lot like the movie Camp for a really long time, and then like, suddenly show up. there was blood and, and guts everywhere, and start breaking glasses with her hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like they're singing and vomiting, <laughs> <laughs> and poisoning other girls' makeup. Mm-hmm. I mean, like honestly, but honestly, no, that's more suspenseful than this movie was because like their setup was just like, yeah, their, their setup was all this like campy, I, not, not campy, but in camp campy yeah. bullshit. And then all of a sudden people started dying as opposed uh-huh. to like sort of building tension. It was just setting the scene for a very long Yeah, And time. then the people who get killed these campers who get killed, we've barely met. We barely met them. Yeah. And one of them had no lines. <laughs> so it didn't mean anything when they died. Only one of them yeah. who died meant anything, and that was uh, Sam, the guy who's playing the, the real opera ghost. Right, yeah. Okay. The so one who was, he finally had a plot point that was worth watching, and then two seconds later... Yeah, I, so I don't know if it was studio pressure or if because it almost like I'm gonna, we're gonna get into some of the stuff that cut from the summer camp stuff as well that I thought would have really brought things out and I kind of wondered like did the studio just not know what to do with it and said like, tone this down and like add some more like Freddy Krueger jokes because those always work right although that's really old and it's you could, they could have done yeah. something really new although i have to give them credit i still still do enjoy the movie because i will always take a movie that shoots for the moon and misses yes absolutely something that's just regurgitated crap yeah and you can tell from the amount of passion that they put into the camp part of it that some that people have their hearts in this project yeah 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 and it looked like the cast was having a ball one of the things i loved is that <laughs> there's so many characters in this that you just get a taste of that I wanted more of, like right off the top, there was a little gay, lispy stage manager who's like, Look at your mother. She's got great pipes and she's fierce. So fierce, I'm enchanted. Electric's 130, go. Your mom has such amazing pipes. She's so fierce. Oh my God, I love her. Q95, go. <laughs> and I picture that's how Ken calls cues on Broadway now. <laughs> oh my God, Patty LaPone, I fucking love you. You got amazing pipes. I want to make out with your dead body. Q29, go, betch, go. Batch. I will tell you, Ken invited me to watch him call a show, and it's impressive. Ken is another failed shamanad man that we went to school with who was working on Broadway when I was a stage manager, and that's why I bring him up. Yes. Although, how do you, how do you define fail? Oh, failed shamanad man. Yeah. Did you win the shamanad man award? No. So I'm a failed shamanad fail? man. Okay. I got you. I got you. I got you. Okay. Gotcha. I just had to clear that up. <laughs> Oh, we are all failed shown on it. Well, except for the one who won it. <laughs> and where is she now? I don't know. Never heard of her. <laughs> Mine? My shaman on my year? Oh, I don't even remember. Do- who cares? Nobody cares. I do. I remember. Oh, Dead. 
Oh, well, see, <laughs> see, that's terrible. That's terrible. It's Cut a- that in post. <laughs> Are you kidding? Poor that's going to be my pull quote. <laughs> Where's my Shamanah man now? Dead. Dead. Raves Michael K. Loon. <laughs> Raves. <laughs> Class of a- <laughs> Oh, don't do that. People can actually do the math. I saw myself in the movie. This is great musical number when the kids are arriving at camp and they're also fucking excited to be there because they can finally be themselves. Yes. And I totally get this. We're here. We're here. We're finally here. The place where we can be ourselves at least as theater geeks you totally get this i'm going to be around people who finally know what i'm talking about that will understand that i make some kind of musical theater reference every third thing out of my mouth (laughs) (laughs) and i'm going to feel intimidated by them because they have one coming out of their mouth every second thing out of their mouth yes yeah that that's the scary thing (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, uh, there's a kid who's like, I get beaten up for singing Stephen Sondheim's rhymes. Got beaten up a dozen times for singing Stephen Sondheim's rhymes. Some school bullies sound awfully bad. What school bullies? That was my dad. That's me! <laughs> <laughs> That's me! And there's a little redhead, like, this is the little redheaded girl. Uh-huh. Her face is always on the verge of religious ecstasy. And I'm like, I know that kid too. I knew all these kids. <laughs> I saw so many of us and our friends in it. And like Scott, he, we're supposed to have another guest right now, but she's a total ridiculous person and having technical issues. This is uh, Smoochie's bio dad, Scott Earl, and other failed shamanon man. But <laughs> in that opening number, if you go back and watch it, there's one kid who's wearing gold shorts and a white baseball cap. And there's a certain part where they start doing these deep shoulder rolls, and all of a sudden, his this kid all of a sudden turns from a nine year old kid. All of a sudden, he's on RuPaul's Drag Race <laughs> runway, serving face, living his best life, doing those deep shoulder rolls, and living. So many options, so much to choose from. What to sign up for? So much to improve on. Mike, there, Scott Earl. <laughs> there's Scott. There's, there's, there's Scott's oh there's my bio God. Man right there on the screen. Right there. Uh-huh. I didn't find Did, you, though. I didn't either. The most close-second kid was the same kid that was getting beaten up by his dad just because he wore glasses. And I can hear my mother going, oh, look at him. He's like a little Mikey Kegelagoon. Whatever his name is. <laughs> Whatever his name is. Bring me another Mai Tai. I don't know why I'm talking <laughs> like that. My mother sounds nothing like that. <laughs> nothing like that. Just stuff like that was bringing me so much joy. I recognized all these people. So these, I'm like, I get this place. I get this musical yeah. number. I get everything that's happening. And yes, I know exactly means that now he can be gay, but not in that way or in all kinds of ways. I'm gay. I'm gay, but not in that way. Musicals move me and touch me in ways I can say. He's gay, but not in that way. I sleep with women, but musicals make me feel good. That was, I mean, I know it's like the theme song of the film at this point, but that was literally, that was my favorite part of it. That whole like, I'm gay, I'm gay, but not in that way. And then the other guy comes in, I'm gay, I'm actually gay, I'm gay. I'm gay, I'm actually gay. I don't get hard when 
M-I-C-T-N-A Could be my DNA Or how I was raised We don't distinguish here at Center State <laughs> And everyone's like, that's great, that's okay too We're all gay, we're gay in all kinds of ways Some in the bedroom And some cause a musical place yeah. What a great place to be, except for the psycho killer did you ever do theater camp no are you kidding with my parents i didn't know it existed i didn't know either and even if i did i would never go i wouldn't go i mean we're from long island we don't go to camp be like what do you need to go to camp go outside go outside you're just gonna get eaten by bugs and raped (laughs) just do theater at saint aiden's it's the same thing it's totally the same. It's better than Broadway. It's better than Broadway. <laughs> They're doing girl crazy. That'll be good for you. You should do what that. What I thought was really shocking about the opening scene was that, yes, you're getting all this light, fluffy stuff, but the opening kill is fucking brutal. Brutal? Like, ugh. You know you can't be in here, right? Better put that mask back. It'll have your head. Now, I have to get dressed. driver gets the shit stabbed out of her by someone wearing the custom of the opera ghost because the show that she's doing is the haunting of the opera not the phantom of the opera because we'd get sued if we do that it's the haunting of the opera i realized this time when i was watching it uh, this time around i'm like oh he's this guy is actually making sure that she never sings again all the wounds are in the mouth and the throat oh good point I'm like that is so mean that is so ragey and i love it <laughs> <laughs> i hate your voice shut up you bitch <laughs> <laughs> we also meet that like her daughter like little versions of the twins it's like the main girl has a twin brother as well and you know they all oh, mommy and your show's great and we love it and then meatloaf comes in he's like should i take the twins and i want a mini driver just to turn around and be like you mean these no i mean the children not your breasts mini <laughs> oh my god you mean these <laughs> you mean these <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I thought you were going to make a comment about how, like, him taking the children was a little, like, pedophilia rapey. But no, no. Oh, Boob no. joke. I mean, mommy's got to get dressed. And <laughs> also, he had plans. He had plans. <laughs> he had plans. Spoiler. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about either. Yeah, but since we're here, I just want to talk about that. The character that they cut was a character called Bethany. There's a girl who's always following these random victims that we have. There's like the girl who's like a sidekick and then like the girl who's the wardrobe assistant. And this other girl who looks like Liza Minnelli. The whole thing was Bethany actually thinks she's Liza Minnelli. Oh, God, that sounds so And all of her lines were delivered like Liza Minnelli. (laughs) She's the one who's always smoking like she's on the stage smoking. If you watch her, she's totally playing Liza Minnelli the whole time. But this is one of the key lines that they cut. When the cast list is announced for this new production of Mounting of the Opera. And everybody's all upset, particularly Liz, the camp bitch, 
who expected right. to get the lead, and now she has to share it with some girl who is a fucking cook and doesn't even go here. She doesn't even go here. Go here. <laughs> Why am I even talking to you? You're just an alto. She doesn't go here. Why am I even talking to you? You're not going to understand. You're just an alto. Oh my god. <laughs> I fell out because I've said that. I know. <laughs> I know. I've heard it. I've said that. <laughs> And it's probably to Georgianne. <laughs> Hi, Georgianne. I'm sure you're listening. But, <laughs> but no, here was the line. Here's the line. Okay. Bethany goes, you shouldn't be upset, Liz, because you know what Mama always used to say? Mama always used to say there's no small parts, only small actors, and the show must go on. And Liz says, your mama needs a mobility scooter and sells Amway, Bethany, without a Z. <laughs> oh, my. oh, shit. The movie needed that. <laughs> it totally needed that. It needed that from these t- these smaller characters. And I think, I mean, they do spend a lot of time. There's a whole thing. Okay. Was it funny? Like, I'm thinking about it. Like, like it totally needed that kind of self-aware, meta, hilarious. But on humor. This is the, that's exactly yeah. the thing we would have said to somebody who thought they were Liza Minnelli. Yeah. Bethany, that is exactly not the thing. Exactly what their mama did when they said something like that. That's funny. Uh huh, but they caught her, Ugh. and it really needed these, this that kind of a life because we spend so much time. The whole thing is now, it's modern day. The campus decided to do haunting of the opera. The tw- the twins of Minnie Driver, who was murdered, are now working at this camp that is run by Meatloaf, who was producing haunting of the opera back in the day. He hasn't produced anything since and opened up this camp instead. This is where they live. This is where they do their thing. That it's up in the woods somewhere, and and they're cooks. They don't go to camp. The two things do not meet. But since they're doing Haunting of the Opera, you know, Camilla, the daughter, is starting to get a stir. And she's like, you know, I'm, you know, whenever I sing, I feel like Mama's with me. I'm here, and I know you are here. Every time I sing, I feel you near. Now I have my song. I miss her and I feel like maybe this is what I'm supposed to do and I just want to try it and there's a whole thing should she do it should she not do it is she going to be allowed to do it mm-hmm. and there's all kinds of drama with that maybe have we not spent so much time with that and so much time with her being sexually harassed by the director who is yeah. Brendan Uranowitz and hilarious because he's dead on yeah you know that asshole who's like we are going to do haunting of the opera in feudal Japan for absolutely no reason what is at the heart of haunting a love story about- It's about covering. Covering up who you really are. And isn't that the scariest thing of all? That's why I'm going to reinvent this entire production and cover it with a postmodern face. Now, who can tell me what Japanese tradition involves covering your face all in white? Bukaki. Kabuki? And that is why my version of Opera Ghost will wear not just any mask, but a kabuki mask. I have that exact thing right now. I have, <laughs> I have an audition coming up for a play that is set 
in Britain. The humor is British. The dialect is British. It's British. It's British. Uh-huh. They want American accents. I don't know why. All I know is there's a concept, but I don't know what the concept is. And I'm like, I'm exhausted already. Uh-huh. By which to say, I know this guy. Yeah, I was cast in a production of Othello that when I went to my first rehearsal, we were informed that we were going to be doing it 1950s sock hop style. And I said, why? And they said, because it'll be awesome. I said, that's not awesome. That's just dumb. That's not a reason to do it. No. But that's exactly And everyone's like, oh, my God, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. And it's so not. I no, love when he's not. on the, when Meatloaf is on the phone with the Broadway agent. Uh-huh. Says, and we're doing it in feudal Japan. The guy goes, hmm, that's hilarious. <laughs> 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 but yeah so he's like camilla winds up auditioning for the role and she's great and the other thing i liked was that these kids when they were singing they sounded like high school kids singing yeah they were yes. good, but they were not great. Right. Yep. Yep. And that yep, worked. Yep. And apparently, everything they did the Lay Miz thing, and all the songs were taped live. Yeah. Wait, Which what? Interesting, interesting for a movie like this that they weren't lip syncing; they're actually singing live on set. Oh, were they singing live on set? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I just told you that. Well, that was a fun little fact. It just the penny just dropped. The thing is, she gets double cast in the in her mother's role, and this whole thing is who's going to be playing the role the night the Broadway agents come. And will she or will she or not fuck this director? Because that's how he's going to decide who's going to be on. All right, stop. I, I want to. I just, I'm waiting for the right night. Like when the show gets picked up to Broadway. And then we'll have something to celebrate. Oh, sweetheart. I was beginning to think that maybe you didn't have what it takes to be the lead. <laughs> Now I know for sure. You don't. Because also, let's not forget, not for nothing, they always take the cast of the show from the high school theater camp directly to Broadway. I'm sorry, did you not see Waiting for Government? It happened every day. (laughs) Everybody dance. And yeah, so he's constantly sexually harassing her. And I do love, there's a part where he's rehearsing with them. And he's re- rehearsing with the other two. He's rehearsing with Liz as, 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 as the main girl. And the Phantom Ghost is supposed to be groping her. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He's like, no, you have to do it with passion. And this guy's like questionably gay. <laughs> and he's grabbing her like it's his grandmother. <laughs> or like a stick of wood that he doesn't know what to do with. It's like, and uh-huh. it's just like a piece of surfboard. I feel like he'd know what to do with a stick of wood. <laughs> but, um, no, but then he does it with Camilla and it's really sexy and he's like we're gonna take five Camilla do you have a second I want to show you something it's my penis <laughs> and it was <laughs> and it was and it was had maybe they not spent so much time with that because we got it yeah they, yes I agree with that let some of the other stuff at the camp breathe so when it, people yeah. died it meant something yeah but they didn't but they didn't we all know insane warm up girl right you can't do the show tonight Get out, Joel. We're warming up. Cam, come on. You have to listen to me, okay? There is a killer at this camp. 
Would you shut up? Get out, Joel. Warming up is like really important. <laughs> that girl who will not stop warming up ever. <laughs> oh my God, that was <laughs> just run the shower. Now my vocal coach taught me this trick. You steam up the whole room. And then you can come in here at any point of the show and just like moisten your vocal cords. And everybody has to know that she's warming up. <laughs> I loved, I love, just keep the shower running. That way, anytime during the show, you can come into your dressing room. It's all steaming. You can warm up. And I'm thinking. You can moisten your cords. Shut up. During the show. <laughs> I'll kill you. I do like also, there's a sense of dread that they get nicely going too when it's like the days are counting down. Mm-hmm. It's just the way it, it's a big, it's a long montage. It just it, it builds up this nice sense of dread that doesn't pay off. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately, I wish it did. But the show itself is a fucking hoot. Because, man, I'm going to take, I'm going to say what Margaret Cho would have said about the opening moments of this play when they played the little intro. Uh-huh. Margaret Show said, well, they certainly chinkied this stuff up. Because <laughs> <laughs> instead of an overture, you get... It is really funny how there isn't an Asian person among them. There's not a person of color at this camp, yeah. which is also exactly how it would be. Exactly how it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I mean, it doesn't say much for the current trend of the world, but it is accurate. <laughs> uh-huh. We're going to send it in feudal Japan and cast it with all white people. <laughs> yeah. We need more roles for white people. <laughs> and then they, like, introduce, like, kung fu moves and, like, gongs. <laughs> so I'm like, this is so bad. This is so wrong, but it's so right. Because this is exactly the show these stupid kids have put on at the stupid camp and think it was brilliant. And think it was just the most. (laughs) We've been in those. And I also love that the costumes are just kind of like, yeah, (laughs) Asian-ish. Just white face and a lot of blush. And Just. I know, but there's a scene where Camilla as Sophia, is that the character's name in the play? Yes, yeah, Sophia. Ooh, she's, she's doing she's doing kind of like the, the Phantom in the sewer scene where she's like walking through the dark stage. Uh-huh. A Chinese lantern, a Chinese lantern and a Japanese. Okay, whatever. But <laughs> she's walking with a paper lantern. My master summons me to dine with him And she's not wearing her robe. She's wearing this total like night, like sexed up bustier, like you had in Feudal Japan. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. I think I mean that's the kind of stuff that's like the Chinese lantern in a feudal J- Japanese set play is genius. Uh-huh. Like I don't, I don't think those are mistakes. I think those no, are. No, they're not. These people knew exactly what they were doing, and I can also understand that other people who are not familiar with our lifestyle would be like, 
oh my god, this is so offensive. I'm like, no, this is grabbing any fucking prop that we had in storage that could pass. <laughs> it's like when you do a period play and the costumes are just from ye oldie timey. That's where they're from. <laughs> no specific era. <laughs> just, specific kind of era. just ye oldie timey. <laughs> uh, they're from your dusty. <laughs> It'll do. Just spray your hair silver. It's good. I'm 14. <laughs> We're doing Night Mother. It's great. Between Night and Mother. <laughs> the musical. Speaking of camp, that was my favorite. One of my favorite scenes were like, they're 12-year-olds playing George and Martha. <laughs> and he was yeah. afraid of Virginia Woolf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the, you, you're right, you're right. The thing is... This movie reminds me so much of camp as well that they blend together in my head. I kept waiting for scenes to happen from camp. Yeah. Yeah. And if you haven't seen camp in your musical theater geek, go see camp. It's a wonderful, wonderful, touching movie. Wonderful stuff. Great music. Great singers. None of them ever worked again, but it's all right. Uh, Anna Kendrick. Oh, yeah. Her. Oh, yeah. Her. Her. But I will say. Listen up, Rummy. She's fucked. I'm ready. And that goddamn show must go on. She would have solved this problem. She totally would have solved this problem. She would have kicked <laughs> Opergo's ass. <laughs> Another brilliant streak of genius was making the Opera Ghost also musical theater, but also having songs, but they're death metal. Yeah. Shut your fucking face, you musicals are full of shit every single day. You people make me sick. Yes, that's a lie. Stuck inside your stupid dream You don't know pain Now I'm gonna make you scream You're gonna fucking scream I'm like, this makes total sense And you're totally calling up Phantom of the Paradise Oh So smart Yeah When he's in that little hovel of his With those modified yeah, 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 yeah. Paint can lids that is, that is a signature weapon Which is actually a cool idea They oh, look yeah. great Even though he uses them once he, I was going to say, he never used them. He used them once. He used them on the girl in the shower. Okay. And to cut through. And things, then left them there. Yeah. And then, and then fucking the, Camilla, our star, picks it up, and then you never see her use it. Right. Like, again, it's like Chekhov's paint can lid. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I do not want to see a paint can lid on stage unless someone's getting shot in the head with it. And act great. <laughs> Slumpy is getting eviscerated with it. <laughs> this is all exactly. And then, but yeah, but there's scenes where he's like freaking out in there and screaming, you know, shut your fucking face. And he's attacking their, their headshots. And I'm going, you're carving up children. <laughs> Slumpy is getting eviscerated with it. <laughs> this is all exactly. And then, but yeah, but there's scenes where he's like freaking out in there and screaming, you know, shut your fucking face. And he's attacking their, their headshots. And I'm going, you're carving up children. Yeah. He's got the he's got the eight and nine year olds up there too. Yeah. I'm going, are you gonna be massacring children in this movie? Because that would be awesome. That doesn't happen enough, and these kids are adorable. <laughs> oh my gosh. And that would hurt. <laughs> One of my other favorite lines was one of the guys, the, there's a stage manager guy who asks Camilla out on a date and he's like, hey, uh, you know, Bunk 10 is doing an all drag review of Stephen Sondheim numbers if you want to go. And I'm picturing Bunk 10 is the seven-year-old. <laughs> 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 because that would happen. 
<laughs> oh my god. See. Yeah, this is the movie they should have made. <laughs> uh-huh. They need me as an advisor, but the thing is, they might be too deep cut. Like her walking around in this bustier and, and carrying that lantern. Like, I don't think people would find it funny except us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not laugh out loud funny. You're going, that's accurate funny. Yeah, but if you're going to go deep, go deep. Thank you. Right? Thank you. Uh, commit. Commit. Yeah, You've got commit. the idea. Commit to it. Don't be backing like, down on me. This you're already a niche movie, right? You're already niche a niche. within a niche movie. Yeah. So, like, dig a little deeper in that niche. Make that niche a little deeper. Do a seven-year-old drag show doing Stephen Sondheim. That would be hilarious. Thank you. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> I'm casting it right now. <laughs> and another hundred people just got off of the school bus. <laughs> yes. uh, this, also, this movie also does something that drives me crazy. Every camp horror movie where campers are actually in attendance when somebody gets killed, and people know about it. Every camp horror movie has the camp covering it up. Mm-hmm. Because already yeah. the director gets killed the night before opening. And it's a whole thing. Are we going to open or not? And that little waif. Isn't it wrong to be singing and dancing when somebody just died? Like the tiniest, cutest little Moffat. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I love how the collective response was no. It's not. Like. <laughs> Show must go on. Uh-huh. Well, it does, though. That's what, that's what Mama would have said. Mama said the show always must have to go on as she's on her mobility scooter selling Amway products. <laughs> Bethany without a Z. <laughs> it's funny. It's really funny. <laughs> and you cut her. And she's got, I, have to, I want to see if I can find her on Facebook and be like, that was a crime. She's got to be out there somewhere. Uh, Steffi D. Dominican. Oh my God. Steffi D. Dominican Antonio. If you're out there, we fucking love you. We wanted more. <laughs> yeah. So the murders start to happen. And, 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 and as the show's being performed, and <laughs> it's such a missed opportunity because at a certain point, Cam gives her cue. For the opera ghost to make his entrance and embrace her. Master, you must take me now. Yeah, master, you may take me now. And it doesn't come out. And it doesn't come out. And it doesn't come out. And she just kind of slithers off the stage. And then everything just stops. Yeah. And, and the band's just vamping. And you know, the, like Poorly. somebody who's not the opera ghost who's tied up. A victim of the opera ghost is being bandied around on stage. And for what seems like 24 thousand hours and i'm going this way meanwhile they're like these huge epic scenes going on off stage while ostensibly the play is still vamping and you're like it would never happen it would never happen somebody from that cast would have jumped out and done something or yeah. untied her or something somebody knows the opera ghosts lines and would have done them well that's <laughs> what i would have liked to have seen what i would have liked to have seen i would have liked to have seen the show progressing but all of a yeah. sudden there's a new opera ghost. Like all of a sudden he's singing with this rock voice and doing the show in his style. And they're like, who the fuck is that? Meanwhile, he's off stage killing people. Right. That would or, be cool. even, or even killing him on stage. Right. I'm all, for I'm all for that. Hey, it happens. You heard about that production of Sweeney Todd in Australia, right? When the knife was real. Uh-huh. And yes. Five kids got their throat slit on stage and the show kept going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I heard my mentor from school in my head going, back in my day, <laughs> we might have been murdered before the alpha but we'd be back reincarnated in time for the curtain calls. That's how we worked back then when we had ethic. 
<laughs> we we respected the craft. <laughs> and then she would have exited in a swirl of like taffeta or something. I don't know. <laughs> swirl of caftan. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it just resorts to like lame kills of people we don't know. Yeah. A lot of them are off stage and bad puns. Break a leg. How's that for a quick change? <laughs> Let me help you warm up. Yeah. And there was an opportunity for some good puns, like the girl, the shower, the annoying warm-up girl who gets killed in the shower. He comes up to her and he's like, I'll help you warm up. And then cuts to another scene and you just come back and you see like the after. Yeah, we see blood splatter and everything. So fine. We, we know what happened, but what he could have said was, I'll help you open up those passages. <laughs> oh, now you're rewriting it. <laughs> Damn right I am. I'm already yeah. rewriting. I already have him on stage singing, doing the numbers as written and people <laughs> going, what the fuck's happening? And everyone really confused. And where's Sam? And, yeah, yeah. I do. The only saving grace of this whole debacle that's going on on stage is when the stage manager is forced to go mm -hmm. on and he's trying to save it. And he winds up like the girl, the girl, Liz, oh, the yes. bitch, was actually planning a carry thing to drop a paint bucket on Camilla, our star, during her number because she got opening night and this other girl didn't. But the Phantom, uh, the, the Opera Ghost. Total spoiler, by the way, that our lead actor, our heroine, got the opening night gig and, and the bitch didn't. Well, of course she did because she's the bitch <laughs> and bitches never get what they want. And normally in a movie like this, bitches get killed and she don't. So you know what? Bitch don't get killed. We can talk about it. <laughs> the only saving grace of that is like she, they, she, she, wants, she finally winds up getting untied and he's... <laughs> He has my favorite line of the movie. She's laying on top of him, and he pulls the mask off, and he goes, Liz Silver. Ew. Liz Silver. Ew. <laughs> but, but she starts singing the song because they don't know what else to do, and then he starts singing for her and then singing over her, and all of a sudden, he's like this big diva. I'm like, that's pretty funny. <laughs> that's pretty funny, yeah. yeah. The guy who refused to go on stage, I, I, he said, I'll never go on stage. It's the one thing that will never, ever happen is now on stage, and now you can't get him off stage. That's funny. No! That's kind of Ken. <laughs> But it's not executed well. Mm -mm. And it's really unfortunate because they had so much going for it. Yeah. And I have to talk about her brother. Because she's a twin. Uh -huh. The brother buddy. Yep. Uh, I don't like this actor. <laughs> this is before he went on to bore us all as the lead in The Bye Bye Man where he had to fight off the evils of Faye Dunaway's huge upper lip. Wait, what was he in? The Bye Bye Man. Also known as the Pee Pee Poo Poo Man. It's one of the worst movies that hit the big screen. <laughs> in the past few years, but they got Faye Dunaway to do it. Wow. She shows up as this weird Miss Havisham character, and all I can notice was that she had really bad work done, and her, her upper lip is like a diving board. <laughs> I'm like, did this all of a sudden go 3D? Because that shit is coming at me. <laughs> I can't act if you're wearing that hat. <laughs> Faye Dunaway just got fired from a Broadway show, and that was one of the complaints that she was like, making people change clothes so she could act. Yeah, I'm informing my my listeners because they don't follow this shit. But anyway, anyway, we're back to the yeah. Point. But yeah, he gives this lackluster performance, and when he is spoiler revealed as the killer, the movie's how old, whatever. It doesn't really matter. It, it, there's really nobody else he could be because we have red herring characters that they don't. It develop. wasn't quite a shock. 
I mean, there's that guy who wants to be your boyfriend. There's the creepy caretaker who don't get developed at all. No. So you know it's not them. So, of course, yeah. it's the brother who doesn't want her to be performing in the show because he knows the dirty secret about what happened that night. He knows who killed mom. And he's had to keep the secret this whole time. And he wants to keep her out of it and want to protect her. And his performance is so basic, obvious. He played a villain. Yeah. You're generic. I'm crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to keep you out of it, Kim. You wouldn't listen. It's okay. He's going to be great. You'll see. You wanted to do the show. Well, this is the show. And you wanted to dress up and be just like mommy, didn't you? Well, me too. I even got myself a costume. That's when I realized it was my fault. I'm always making a mess. Well, guess what? I made a mess. A big mess tonight. Just for you! He didn't make any choices. He didn't make it yours. He didn't make it interesting. He didn't give it levels. And in his interview, on the DVD commentary, which... I will hold against him till the day he dies. He's like, yeah, it was really cool because he's talking about playing the killer too. He's like, it was really cool because, you know, not only am I playing the killer, but like this character, even outside of the killer, he's like the one person in this whole movie who is not obsessed at all with musicals. He doesn't give a shit about musicals at all. I'm like, uh, beg to differ. If this guy's ready to kill over them, he's more obsessed about musicals than anybody there. Yeah. And if you miss that basic kind of character analysis, you an asshole. And I could let this questionable acting and his bad choices slide if they cast him because he had this amazing death metal singing voice. But it turns out he didn't do the opera go singing at all. So blah, blah on you, sir. And you deserve the peepee poopoo man. <laughs> and fake on a way's upper lip. Coming <laughs> at you. And I could let this questionable acting and his bad choices slide if. They cast him because he had this amazing death metal singing voice, but it turns out he didn't do the opera go singing at all. So, blah, blah on you, sir. Bye bye, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, just to see him try to do a scene with Faye Dunaway, I'm like, you can't hold a candle to this bitch, and she ain't even awake. Right. Yeah, she's not even trying. No, no. But yeah, so tragic. So, he was bad casting. But aside from that, the movie's charming in its own right. I mean, it's a failure, but. It's an interesting one. I will always take an interesting misfire over. It's a failure that tried. Yeah. You know, it, it had, it had an idea, it had a concept and it tried. And I give them credit for that. And it captured a lot of truths. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was accurate in a lot of ways. In, in a About lot of ways. My that, people in a way that I'm not used yeah. to seeing it. Yeah. On, on, on yeah. stage. It showed lots of levels of how we are. Like the good stuff and the bad stuff. The yes, bad stuff. this is how we are. We are all complete dorks. And this ha is how we are when we all get together. And we are absolutely obnoxious. And we are incessible. And yes, yeah, sometimes you get a director who wants you to sleep with them. That does happen a lot, unfortunately. Me too. But <laughs> Hashtag. Hashtag. I'm old. I don't know how these things work. Hash brown. Me too. Hash brown. Me too. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I think we've done stage fright. Yeah. Yeah. Any final thoughts, Michael? I wanted a little bit more of Mini Driver, to be honest. She did it. She's like, bitch, I got my paycheck. I'm out of here. I'm Mini Driver. Just, I'm, I'm out. I'm Circle out. of five, bitch. I'm not fat anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did, I did love how, like, it was, you know, in, in sort of all the publicity for this movie, like, her name is splashed all over it. And she is, like, done Audi in the car home within the first 10 minutes. <laughs> uh -huh. Well, technically, she's pulling a Drew Barrymore. 
<laughs> Who's on the poster for Scream? That's that's true. Drew Barrymore. True. She's out in the first yep. ten minutes too. So there's no shame in that. She's gonna put butts in the seats. That is true. No, th- I'm not saying there's any shame. Not just- horror fans' butts. Like she'll put my mom's butt in the seat, which is weird. <laughs> <laughs> I like her. She was in that Irish movie with the circle. <laughs> circle. Party of five. <laughs> circle party of five. Let's go see that Mitzi Driver. <laughs> Oh, Mitzi Driver's in it. Let's watch this movie. I'm sure it's good. Stop it. What's it about? I hate it when you do my mom. You're so you're more accurate than I am. (laughs) Oh, it looks like a good movies. I don't know if you know Michael, but when it comes to movies, they're always plural with my mom, even if they're not. What movies is this? I don't like that movies. (laughs) <laughs> i forget what it's called it's like something about stage fright no that's not it that's not it, that's not that's it. Not hold on i gotta go watch the oprah winfield show <laughs> i heard whoopty goldenberg is gonna be on <laughs> whoopty goldenberg is gonna be at the oprah winfrey shows <laughs> that's right <laughs> on the oprah winfield show I snorted on the podcast. Oh my God, that makes it time to wrap this thing up. But Michael Caitlin, where can people find out more about you and what's going on in your life and where they might be able to see you someday? Oh dear God, I don't know. Well, I'm on, you know, I'm on the socials. It's my name. I got my website. We're looking for the next big thing. So at the moment, at the moment, there's nothing new, but you can find me on, what was it, episode 11? I don't know. It'll all be in the show. It's the Friday the 13th, part eight. We can hear all about Michael's adventures with ravens and, and photo mates and nudes, nude photographs and Susan Lucci. Yeah, I have not, I have not seen a, uh, a, a raven in a while. That's good. They see you. They see me. They see you. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. Wait a minute. I just realized, did you just do the play that goes wrong? I did in St. Louis. Man. Yeah. That show was terrible. <laughs> I, I thought, I'm like, nobody knows their lines. All the props keep breaking. Where the fuck is stage managed it? This show is garbage. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Michael Kalen, I love you. Thank you so much for coming back to the show. Thank you all so much for taking part in the Countdown to Halloween Potathon and helping out the kids' new alternatives. This cause is so near and dear to my heart. Woot, that woot. You don't know how much it means to me that you're here. Oh, it's my pleasure. I it's don't so much do sincere very well, and I don't no, do don't. it often. So mark it in your diary that this happened I did. on it tape. Did. <laughs> <laughs> You'll edit it out in post. Come on now. <laughs> and you know I'm not faking because I'm not doing my theater voice. <laughs> Michael, this all means so much to me. It's a cause. It's there. Yeah, it's to my so much to <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Michael Keelan. I got one more thing to say to you before you go. Oh, God. Yes. Happy Halloween! That was terrible. Next! And so, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, it is time to ring that curtain down. And bring to a close this theater-heavy segment of Scream Queens.
That's always the worst part of going to the theater for me. When you've had this wonderful time and you're all just swept up in whatever magic spell they've cast over, whether that magic energy is something happy or, or sad or tragic, it was magic enough to take me out of my regular life, make me forget for a couple of hours. And then I'm, I'll be sitting there clapping, so happy, so happy, so happy, and then realizing uh, that it was not only time for me to go home, but that I was afraid to go home. Maybe that's the scary thing about theater. That, uh, oh, oh, Jesus, Smoochie, stop. Oh, my, for fuck's sake. So I had, even though my home life was not the best, I had this other place to, oh my God, Smoochie, please. Okay, I was, uh, guys, it is three o'clock in the morning. I have been trying to record this in and out segment since like 10 and I am exhausted. I don't know. Can you hear her? Can you hear Miss Moochie LaRue in the background? She had her rabies shot yesterday. And they said with her medications that she might be in a really foul temper for a couple of days. And they are not kidding. She's just been screaming and screaming and pounding at the door. And I'm just trying to get through this. What? Or edited so that it makes sense that I'm failing, failing, failing. I was trying to make a cool segue into like, oh, hey, this is why I chose this show to be about theaters and how I was going to tie it in with kids with no homes. You know, at least I, but that is a fail, 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 because I have a cat. I have a big 35-pound special needs, gorgeous, glamorous bitch of a cat. Which brings me to my other guest, the guest who didn't show up. Man, it would have been great if Scott Earl had come to the interview <laughs> I mean, yes, because Scott Earl and Michael K. Loon and I, we all went to high school together and we did musical theater together for years and we all f were figuring out on our own our own little secrets at the same time and it took a long time before we figured it out about each other. Yeah. So it would be great to have the three of us back together talking about musical theater. Of course, you'd be out there sitting going, and how many years did it take you guys to figure out the gay part? Because girls... But, yes, that would have been great. But the thing is that Scott Earl is Smoochie's first daddy. Yes, I, I adopted Smoochie from him when he was not able to take care of her anymore. And had he not done that, had I not taken this giant burden, giant, fat, adorable bad temper burden off his off his little hands that I would not be in the situation that I am right now. Oh God, I can't do my job because I have a cat. I can't save the gay homeless kids because I have a cat. Of course the twist is that Smoochie doesn't exist and this is <laughs> this is all part of the ghost light anthology. Whoa! See, because it's a cat. A clism. Oh God, I'm so tired. Okay, so you know how they say bad dress rehearsal, great opening. Let's consider the first episode of the Potathon to be the dress rehearsal for the entire event. Yeah. Okay. So this, yeah. So this was bad. The dress rehearsal was 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 eventful. Well, my part of it was that 
the interview sections were fine, but this this intro outro. Oh boy, oh boy, we gotta. It's gonna get cut in Boston. We gotta work this workshop this shit out. But uh, yeah, yeah. The 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 show was, was needs work, but that means it'll. That means I'll have a great opening. I know what I just said. Okay, I know, I know. God, let me have one joke. You're all thinking about my opening now, aren't you? Stop it! God, oh golly, let's just wrap this up. Okay, listen, I cannot leave the show for the night without pointing out that the links to donate to new alternatives, which believe me, I'll explain to you at some point during this 15-day nightmare, the links are down there in the show notes. And you have a choice. There is... But, like I said last year, some people are really uptight about using Facebook. You know, they don't like the politics. They don't like the snoopiness of it. I'm not using Facebook for anything. Meh. But then there is the other half of you that's like, I don't really never heard of this website and the design doesn't look very squarespace to me. I'm, I'm leery of giving them my money. I'd rather give it to Facebook. So now there's a page for each of you. And it doesn't matter which one you choose. Neither page is going to be taking any cuts from the kids and new alternatives. So just give. That's the important part. And and I was going to do it tonight, but I can't. And you'll find out why I can't do it tonight when I reveal what it is. But there's going to be a prize. Not a prize, an incentive. There's going to be a wonderful PBS-style thank you gift for those of you who donate more than one. Uh, for those of you that donate $100 or more to new alternatives. And I can't tell you what it is right now because it involves Smoochie and I'm really mad. If you, because right now, if you give me $100, I'll give you my cat. You know, it won't be a t-shirt ever. <laughs> Just throw her in a PBS tote bag and take her. Oh, golly. Thanks, Scott Earl. Well, this. Well, like I said to Jordy earlier when she was talking about the rats and stuff in the theater, like this is why we do it live, even though. Am I alive right now? Is this some Jacob's Ladder scenario? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But tomorrow, but tomorrow's episode, if the sun never comes up again, I'm going to be joined by Mr. Jordan McLaughlin. And you'll remember him. He was the fabulous gay designer of a fabulous horror card game called Don't Get Stabbed. And I found, I, I, I play it a lot and I actually carry a pack of it in my pocket when I walk around the city. And as so far, I have not got stabbed, so it has worked. Although it's not really a preventive. It's saying don't get stabbed. It doesn't say don't stab people. You know what? Jordan, you got to work. And I, you know, we'll work this out with him tomorrow. But Jordan's going to be here and he's going to be discussing uh, an independent film from the probably early 2000s, late 90s, possibly. I'm not sure because I don't have my notes in front of me and I'm too tired to look, but it's called The Black Waters of Echo's Pond. And if you'd like to play along at home, it is screening for free on Tubi. And it's about a board game. Yeah, I know, Jordan Jordan decides card games, but this movie is about a board game. But it's evil. It's kind of like Jumanji, if Jumanji took him to hell instead of the jungle. Uh, and I gotta wrap this up. Those links are right down there in the show notes. Use them. Don't abuse them. Actually, get abuse them. I don't really care right now. Gosh, guys. Oh. Until next time, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, continue to make the world a creepier, 
while I make it a sleepier place. I never ever, never ever forget the Scream Queen's golden rule. My goodness, I'm going to have to put my words to the test tonight. The Scream Queen's golden rule. Say it with me. Fight or flight. Survive the night. Make it to the final reel, kitty. Uh, <laughs> you know, how in theater they say it's not over till an opera. They say it's not over till the fat lady sings. Well, Scott, the fat lady's your cat, and she's been screaming all night, and this show is... All of the music for tonight's show, unless otherwise specified, has been written by Sam Haynes. You can find all of his music at www.bandcamp.com. Bitches! (laughs) Ha ha ha!